You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. You know, it's an amazing thing. I, I don't know if it's because we get fearful that this may, maybe not the right message, but I never felt like anything that I thought God was giving me was right for this morning. Nothing wrong with them, I don't believe. Cooper, you've been there. You know what I'm talking about. But it just, I just didn't feel like it was the right one. I'm so convinced that this is the right one today. It took me a while periodically to get into it, but I, I believe America's in huge trouble. And at a conference, I think normally I would like to, and there's nothing wrong with the preachers do, I think we ought to preach a lot about the church this week, but I'm not this morning. I think we ought to preach about revival, but I'm not this morning. I think we ought to preach a lot about reaching the lost for Christ, or expanding our vision for Christ, or investing in the Lord. I, all those are so very important. I, I brought with me, though I really quite frankly not looked at it, but I went to my files, and I looked at the very first thing I've ever preached. I was already ready. I knew God wanted me here. And I said, I remember on February the 8th, 1976, preaching here for the first time. 47 years ago, last month. And this was my Sunday school lesson. It's in this file. It's, and my, it's from this text. My message that morning was from John 3:16. We had about maybe 25 adults in the morning service. And it was an amazing thing. We had five adults came forward for salvation that day. And it was just, I'd only pre preached three times before that. I was an assistant pastor in two churches. And and I, I didn't know how to preach. One time was on the radio. One time is because everybody else, the staff, they all got sick or broken ankles or out of town. And they called me and said, you have to preach. That had to be pathetic. But I remember coming here and I remember this so much. And as I look back through the years, much of our church has pivoted from this Sunday school lesson. And though I haven't read the notes here, it's Acts chapter 12 today. And I want to speak to us today on America's hope is prayer. America's hope is prayer. Prayer is, prayer is going to God for help. And yes, in the conference, and yes, for America. But what about your marriage? Is that what's the trouble today? You need prayer? What about your children? Is that what it is? Is it your health? Is it your finances? I don't understand prayer all the time. I don't understand why God answers this prayer. And it seems like to me, he doesn't answer this, but he always does. I think of some buildings and some properties for 47 years we've been here. I prayed for God. We, this is it. This is it. This is the property. And you know, had God given us that property, it was the wrong property. If God had given us that, that was the wrong building. God put us in these neighborhoods right here. We have about 500 people that live in this, not counting dorms, that live right here within about a mile's distance now, and they can walk to church. I walked this morning. I, I, I just, God wanted us here. God did not want us for us in an industrial area. I looked there. God did not want us building out there on the, I, I looked there. I looked everywhere. I sent certified letters. 
God, I don't understand why, why God answers prayer and what it seems like because he doesn't answer, but God always answers prayer. It's working together for his good. And, and so prayer is just asking God to come to aid. Prayer is that word of tail to, to crave, to desire, to ask God to intervene and to aid the child of God. Come to our aid. I'm going to begin by way of introduction like I did that Sunday morning in Sunday school 47 years ago. You're going to have to help me. Now, about that time, Herod the king. All right, class, who was the king? Talk to me. Who was the king? And the king was? Good. And Herod was the? And he stretched forth his hand. Who did that? Who stretched forth his hand? The king, Herod. And he stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the what? Who tried to vex the church? And Herod was the? And the king was? I can remember this 47 years ago, just like it was yesterday. And he killed James. And he killed James. Who killed James? And Herod was the what? And he was vexing whom? And who did he kill? And James had a brother by the name of? And who had a brother? James had a brother, his name was? And John had a brother, his name was? And there was a king and the king's name was? You're doing very well. You're, you're almost smarter than that crowd. Took 47, year, 47 years to get us this smart. You're doing great. And, and Herod vexed certain of the what? And the Bible says, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. What did he kill him with? Who did he kill? James. And James had a brother by the name of? And John, John had a brother by the name of? And who was killed? I'm losing you now, aren't I? I'm losing myself. And who killed him? Herod. <laughs> Don't add to the scripture. That's it. We've already got an RSV guy down here. The king, you're exactly right. Another man, verse 5, Peter was kept in prison. Who was in prison? Peter. Peter. And he was in prison. Who got killed? And James had a brother by the name of? And who killed John? It's going to take a long time if I have to. John wasn't killed by Herod. Oh, my goodness. What did he kill him with? 22. No, you're, you got it wrong here. Prayer. My wife and I are so indebted to the people that pray for us. I know of two couples for years, 40 years plus, they get up at 3.30 every morning and pray for us. That, that husband and wife pray that hour. I know your little kids that are not in here, your little children, you pray at meals. Thank you for the food. Thank you for Pastor Mrs. T. Give Pastor Mrs. T a good night of rest tonight. Help Mrs. T to be nice to Pastor. Please help her to be nice to him. You know, we're, we're these teenagers praying for you, Pastor. Our widows and widowers, I have so many times I've been praying for you, Pastor. God laid you on my heart. I get texts. And people say, you know, God laid you on my heart right now praying for you. You pastors know what that's like. You know, prayer is just asking God, come to our aid. 
I don't need to get off on politics much, but I'm just, I'm just shocked that our number one doctor in America right now was a man who turned himself into a lady. And that's the best we can do, Mr. Biden. That's the best. And the head of the transportation uh, the department, the county, he, 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 he's in a picture in a bed with his, with his husband, and they just adopted twins. Yeah, you bet. That's the best we can do. That's an abomination to God. And that's the best we can do. God bless you, little lady, but you are the spokesperson for the president, and, and you're a sodomite. And that's the best we can do. And he said last week, I have the less whiteness in my cabinet than any other president. That's the best. Why would you want to divide a country? I am the president that has more women in my cabinet than any other president. Why? Who cares? Hey, if they're qualified, do the job. My wife's qualified to cook. Thank God I'm not. But she's qualified to do a lot more than cooking. I'm qualified to run the vacuum cleaner. And quite frankly, I kind of like doing it. I'm qualified to wash the dishes. It's real hard in our home. Two forks, two knives, two, two spoons, uh, two plates, two dr- glasses. That is it. That's why my hands are so, I use that, that right stuff. You know, who was the lady? You just shook my hand with lotion all over. It still stinks. You're last in line for food today. I'll tell you that right now. So what do we do about this garbage in Sacramento and garbage in in, in Washington, D.C.? Well, yeah, vote, but that's about where it ends. Because this is what's needed for that. And, And by the way, not one of those people who should pray, kill them, kill them. No, the politicians can kill, Herod killed. But God's people ought to have a love in their heart for the people. Red, yellow, black, brown, white, boy, girl, rich. Ooh, I have a burden for those folks. Poor. Prayer is the need of the hour. My Bible makes it very clear that ye have not, James 4, because ye ask not. I wonder what we could have had had we asked. I wonder what the Bible says when it says pray without ceasing. First Thessalonians 5, that's just constantly in being prayer. Luke 18, one man ought always to pray and not faint. Matthew chapter 7, if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall a heavenly Father give to them that? Ask him, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock is an amazing A-S-K. Ask, seek, knock, and it shall be opened to you. He that asketh receiveth. I want you to know today that God said that if you just ask, you'll receive. The disciples could not create miracles and fulfill miracles. And so Jesus came on the scene and fulfilled the miracle in Mark chapter number uh, eight, verse number 29, or is it 929? He, he said, uh, they said, why can't we do this? He said, this kind, this miraculous kind, this saving of souls kind, 
that I can't save anybody. Uh, this uh, uh, this uh, advancing the work of God that I can't change. This thing of having a national revival, this kind cometh about by prayer and fasting. God wants his people to pray. The effectual, I love that word, effectual. That's, that's powerful. That's expecting results. I want to go to God expecting results. The effectual, I expect some results. Fervent, there's, there's energy behind it. It's strained, it wears you out. You men of God and ladies of God, people of God, even teenagers know, it'd be easier digging a ditch all day long than spending six hours in prayer. That wears you out. Your emotions are in that, your heart is in it, your spiritual life is in that, and you're exhausted after you pray for a great season of time. The effectual, fervent prayer, here it is, of a righteous man. I must be righteous. If I expect God, if I regard iniquity, Psalm 66, in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. I need to be a prayer warrior. I need to be a man that is interceding on the behalf of our city. This city, founded in 1776 by the Roman Catholics, I need to be in, in charge of the prayer life of this city. I need to pray for our, 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 our mayor and our city council that are on my prayer journal. I, that's my job. I like to get rid of them. No, what attitude is that? I need to pray for them. I need to pray for the chief of police that just stood here a few weeks ago. I need to pray for the university in town. I need to pray for Golden State Baptist College. I need to pray for the lost. I need to pray for these neighborhoods. I need to stop and pray at these public schools and they're just putting garbage so many times into their mind. I thank God for our public school teachers here. You're on a mission field. The effectual fervent prayer, it's birthed this, this message was birthed in my heart really, not only 47 years ago, but three weeks ago. I was up in Washington State, um, Pasco. I was preaching a basketball and volleyball tournament for many states were there. Montana was there and Idaho was there and Washington and Oregon. And uh, I think Colorado was there. They were all there for this this. Monday and Tuesday, had the joy of four times preaching. I, I love teenagers. Maybe it's because I look so much like a teenager. I'm not sure. I just, that's going to cost you another 10 minutes of this message. I have to work through that now. That hurt what you just did right there. You know, I was preaching there. A pastor who's about 10 years older than I am, his wife passed away about 15 years ago. He's a such a good man. Been there for 50-some years. Just a good man. Brother John Paisley. I love him. He's a wonderful man. And Brother Paisley, we were talking. We went to lunch or something. And I said, man, I, I lost my keys. I don't lose things. But I lost my keys. And he said, Brother Treber, I lost my keys. And I couldn't find them. And my secretary said to me, Pastor, did you pray? Yeah. That scared me right here, brother. I'm, st I'm on the edge. I'm about ready to fall into your lap. I'm still shaking on that one, brother. And he said, and she said, did you pray? And he said, you know what? I didn't pray. 
He said, Brother Jack, I prayed, and in those moments, I found that. You know, he said, did you pray? I said, I did not. I always try to pray for little things like that. Lord, keep that, that light green. Keep it green. Keep it green. Keep it green. Lord, it was red. No smoky, please. No smoky. No smoky. I mean, you, I don't go through red lights. But, but, but I said, I didn't pray. I came home. Now, j- just bear with me for a minute. I lost two more things. I lost a receipt that I had to have. I mean, I moved the seats forward. I lifted the seat up. I went underneath it. I went to the glove box. I, 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 I checked. I, I, checked. I know that receipt. I know it was in my car. So I lost the keys. James had a brother by the name of? So two, two things I've lost so far. What? John. <laughs> it's going to take me forever to preach. I lost two things so far. Number one, and secondly, I lost a, and the third thing I lost, my wife knows about, it torments me. I don't, I don't know how to have a, a computer. I don't, own, I don't even own one, but I have a bag that's like a computer. It has a handle, you know, a, a, a strap on it, and I walk around like I'm smart, but, uh, but, but there's no computer in there. <laughs> I go through airports with it and all that stuff. Well, I have a prayer journal in there. It's very sacred to me. I think most of your names, pastors, are on that list. And if you're new, I guarantee it, your name will go on that list before this week is over. And I pray for you, and I thank God for you and who you are. I don't ever want anybody to see that. My son-in-law, Brother Fenera, knows that when I die, first thing he does, he has to shred that. Because I have pages of backslidden people on that prayer journal. I don't want anybody ever to know their name was on it. Someone backslid a couple of years ago and said, they said, the thing that grieves me, they said, is to know that my name is now a pastor's journal. And it is. I lost that, I lost that briefcase or the satchel or whatever you call it. What do you call those things with the computer? Briefcase? So I lost three things. One, two, This is going to be a long week. You're going to have to straighten them out, brother. They're, they're, they're great people, but they're very slow. Maybe it's the instructor. You see, you know what? I know what you're thinking. I've already thought this thing. You're thinking it's time to go look for the home. It's not time to look for the home. Let, let, you're in church. Has anybody in this church never lost their keys? You've never lost your keys. It's time to look for the home for you guys. <laughs> How many have lost their keys? How many have lost <laughs> a receipt? Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, you want to have a prayer journal, but how many, how, how, uh, how many have ever lost like a briefcase or something? Yeah. I've not even told this to my wife. Now, she knows that it was distressing me. She's it's so sweet. Well, let's check. Thank God. Let's check. How about up in the office upstairs? No, no, I've checked. How about in your car? I've checked the car. You know, when women think they're going to help you, I've checked the car. I've double checked the car. 
Did you put it in the laundry room? No, I didn't. Why? Did you? Did you put it in the laundry room? No, I didn't touch it. I haven't seen it. Uh, World War III, you had to get right with God. You know, the, you know, you've been there. You know how they get. Yes, you do. I tell you, I've had, I had the hardest time. I was fr- I, So I found keys, all my, I found all these keys. I laid them all out there on the, I said, Brother Kevin Padillo, he runs all the keys around. I said, tell me what these keys go to. He goes, well, this goes to this and this. Okay, let's make a set. And you know, I made a set and I couldn't get in my office door. I just, oh my goodness, you talk about having a fit. And I was getting frustrated. This happened within 30 minutes. I said, Lord, I've got to find those things. I've got to find those keys. I already had another two sets of keys made, but I I didn't even know where they went. I know my keys, they have four keys. Uno, dos, tres, four keys, that's all. All I have. And I needed that receipt. And, and I needed that prayer. That prayer journal was bothering me. I thought I was in the airport. No, I didn't leave it there. I prayed and said, God, I've got to find those. I know it's going to. I got in my car. My wife always, we have a very small garage. She pulls in. I back in. I back in right up against it. And then I try to get out of that car, it's, it's so impossible, but I don't want the car outside. I got in the car. I, I, I know you're not going to believe this. It was early, it was dark in the morning, got in the car. And I looked over to the passenger seat, and that receipt was on the passenger seat. I, I, I got to the office. And I, I mean, it, it was the, the, the satchel, the briefcase, the pressure was right there by my feet. I had these sets of keys, and I said, boy, these look like the original one. They were in the cup holder. I pulled them out. I said, these are the original keys. I wonder how my wife got them all back in their order. <laughs> She's tormenting me. I mean, she's just tormenting. You guys haven't been married long enough, but they, they, life, it can be tormenting. <laughs> Women are good at that. I don't know. I, I, you're going to say it's just crazy. I, I wrote, brother, I, got the, I did bring this with me. So I wrote, brother John Paisley, Riverview Baptist Church, for the, I wrote him one letter, then I wrote him this one, because he gave me a bottle. He said, Dr. Ben Carson recommends these over-the-counter pills for memory. You need these. (laughs) I hope he's listening right now. I don't need memory pills. Look, look, I can name these guys right here. George, Sam, Pete, Henry, Frank, and Robert. That's not their names. I've not lost it yet, folks. I don't want any cards or notes or emails saying we're going to go shop and look for a home for you. <laughs> we're not doing that. But I wrote him a second letter because he's just, oh, Brother Treber, you know why? He said, I, couldn't, he, he, I asked him somebody's name, he couldn't remember. He goes, I missed taking my pill this morning. <laughs> I can't believe you said that. What, what, so, so he gave me this bottle, and I've been taking this memory pill. So I wrote him this letter. Dear Pastor Henry, it's not his name. It was a, I was delighted to be at the basketball, uh, the baseball tournament. It was basketball with you people at First Presbyterian Methodist Church. 
The reason why I'm writing to you, Pastor Ralph, is let you know that this Neurotech IQ focus formula is helping me immensely. I'm remembering everything so well. I want to thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be with you last Thursday and Friday. I was there Monday and Tuesday. I also want you to know I enjoyed the heat and the sunshine. It was snowing in 17 degrees, by the way. I'll always cherish this trip to be with you in Boston. It was in, not Boston, Pasco. <laughs> those letters are all, those words are all bold print. Thanks again for the marijuana. <laughs> Your friend, Sam Smith. I'm telling you, honey, it was an, all three of those things in 30 minutes. I don't know how, the, I, don't, I don't know if someone was hiding things on me. Because this office, of, well, I work with these, these guys, they're nuts. One day he thought Brother Alvin Martinez did something to him. And when Brother Alvin Martinez left his office, he went to his office and took all five wheels off his chair. <laughs> on company time, you're, this is what you're paying for. He torments you. He tells you, you're not supposed to open in prayer today. You're not supposed to open in prayer. He's standing there. You're supposed to, don't ever believe him. He's one of the worst liars I've ever met. <laughs> I have to get done. I'm supposed to be done now. America's only hope is if God's people will pray. We know it. Second Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, that's us. We could change Washington, D.C. for righteousness. Don't hate Mr. Biden. Don't hate the vice president. Don't hate these people. If my people, if God's preachers, and many of you live in country and out in the country, and it's, you can get alone, we, we can't do that. We're, I like to go to the cemetery. I like to go out to the salt flats here. I wish we had time to take you out there and, and pray. I like to go to my study. I like to get to my car and just drive and pray. There's places at home I like to go to pray. If my people which are called by my, self, by my name shall humble themselves, that's my problem. Humble, humility of heart, not thinking low of myself, it's not thinking of yourself. Humble yourself and Turn from their wicked ways. We want Mr. Biden to turn from it. What about us? Yeah. Yeah. Our wicked way. Yeah. And pray. This nation had a revival in the 1700s, the Great Awakening, and the Second Great Awakening. There's not been anything since. I don't care how many demons they call up how much speaking in tongues they're doing at these things, how much satanic influence. No, no, no. Humble ourselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way. Then will I hear my outline. I'm, I, I don't have time to get to my, that's my introduction. I find in our text with Herod the king, there's an obstacle in the chapter before, there was a great dearth in the land. I can't change the dearth. 
I know the Pope says that he thinks we are involved with climate change. I know he thinks we're, I can't change the weather because God's in charge of the weather. There was a dearth. The, 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 the rain is out of our control. Uh, there was not only a dearth, but there was death. He killed James, brother John. The obstacle was death. I can't resurrect anybody. And, and there was a dungeon. He went to the prison. I would say all three of those are an obstacle. Secondly, I see there's an opportunity. These people in chapter 11, the latter part in chapter 12, they were raising money to help send relief to those that were suffering. God gives us opportunities. Every church member ought to come to church looking for an opportunity. And your pastor might say, uh, I need someone to wash the windows. I need someone to do this. I need someone to fix a bus. I need someone to give some money. I need somebody. We're looking for somebody to, to work in the nursery. We're looking for someone to sing in the choir. It, the, your answer should be yes, yes, yes. And then you go back and say, but I don't play an instrument. But my answer is yes. You're a church without a pianist, and you're watching right now because we have so many watch arts and sing with us without a pianist or without a pastor. Maybe, maybe you could not only pray, but maybe you could raise your hand. I'll start taking piano lessons. I think within two years you could be playing in church. You know, I find there's an opportunity. There's a spiritual opportunity. These people were praying, chapter 12, verse 5 and verse 12. And then thirdly, the omniscient God got in control of this thing. And God allowed this man to escape from jail. He was sleeping. There's a, there's a message there, Brother Jose. He was sleeping. Peter was sleeping. And the angel had to wake him up because he had confidence, like Daniel in the den of lions, that God was gonna, God's going to take care of it all. I preached a while back, what happens, happens. It's just going to happen. And if God wants it to happen in my life, it's going to happen. I'm going to just trust Him. And I know that as we read this, we see the three Hebrew children. They're in that fire. And the king said, didn't I throw three men in? I see the fourth. It's like the Son of God. God shows up. What fire are you in? He'll show up. Elijah prayed down fire from heaven. Esther and Mordecai was in there in my Bible reading this week. Just such an amazing story how that God through prayer changed that thing. More than ever, we need pastors that will pray. And pastors' wives that are praying and staff and staff mates that are praying. And deacons that are praying. And Christians that are praying. Godly teenagers that are praying. Little boys and little girls praying. Praying. Prayer is a wonderful treasure. Prayer is a wonderful thing. Blessing all ours without measure. So pray about everything. You cast your burden upon the Lord. Everything. Today it begins with salvation. If you're lost, just need to call out to God. I'm a sinner. God, I need your help to save me. Please forgive me and save me. Just trust him today. I don't know if it's a health need. I don't know how God's going to answer it. I don't know what God's going to do there, but God always does what's best. I still, to this day, Mrs. Stroh, if you're your mom, and Mrs. Treber, your mom, 
sisters, their mom passed away at age 53 with eight kids, 45-year-old preacher's wife. I still don't see any good. But it doesn't say we see that all things work together and we know one day God's going to make it all plain. America's need is that you and I will pray. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.